0: All right, that's a, that's a, that could be a sermon right there, that's for sure. Uh, a, a masterpiece, and a masterpiece. Uh, but uh, thank you to Eric and thank you to Jade for sharing of, about their Winter Vision. Uh, those that I talked to that uh, attended Winter Vision uh, from our church, it was a great experience. And I know a lot of prayers went into it because this is such a unique year, not being able to gather in person, and so you lose that the the that fun of just being able to be with your friends in person. And a lot of prayers went into it, and I think it was a great experience. And um, it's fun to, as Eric mentioned, to just kind of see the growth in people's lives. I think of our faith as as being like we're on a on a spiritual journey. Like we're not gonna stay at the same place, uh, and you think of a journey to faith in in God that it that there is progress, and we know as those of us that are Christians that people need to come to know Jesus. Like that's a, that's the most important thing. In fact, that's our mission statement of our church is opening our doors wide so that many may come through the narrow gate the narrow gate of uh following jesus and the reason why uh knowing god is so important is because god is so great and he is uh, and he wants us to live for him and so i'm going to use that metaphor today in the sermon uh talking about uh our faith being a journey and as i as i uh as we, head, as we move towards that metaphor, I thought I would share a journey that I had when I was in my early 20s. And I preface it by saying in my early 20s, because this is the type of thing you would only do in your early 20s. Uh, my friend and I decided we wanted to go visit another friend of ours who had a cabin on a lake that was about 200 miles away. And so we decided that we would bike there. So of cars uh we would we would bike to our friend's house and so after after he got done with work on friday night we got on our bikes and we and we loaded up a tent on the back of the bike and we just started tra- traveling down the highways now i'd kind of mapped this out this is pre-gps and pre-iphone days and so i'd gotten out the map and i figured out we're going to camp at this site on the first night and we got to the campground and uh the guy at the, at the front entrance says, we're full, no more campground sites. And I said, well, you don't understand, we're on our bikes, like we can't just keep uh, going to the next. And he said, I'm sorry, nothing I can do. Well, the campground was on or, uh, along a river, so we just kind of followed the river and looked for an opening uh, where we thought we could just uh, pitch a tent. And we found one, and we pitched the tent, and it was pitch black at this time. Well, we woke up early in the morning when the sun was coming up, and we realized we were camping in someone's backyard. <laughs> we had no idea when we pitched it down. so we uh, quickly packed it up and uh, got on the road, and I don't think they ever knew we were there because uh, we were off early in the morning, and the next campground we uh, planned on staying at had sites, so that was good, and, uh, and then uh, we got up early Sunday morning, and, we're gonna, and we were going to finish the trip. And uh, it was a long trip. It was like, uh, uh, like I said, about 200 miles. And uh, we were about five miles, actually less than that. It was like two miles from being to our destination. And without us knowing it, we, we took a wrong turn. And we went two miles in the wrong direction. And we, finally re- and we finally thought, man, we should be there by now. We finally realized it and figured out our mistake. And the friend that I was going with like, uh, this like crushed him. He, w- he was like, he wanted to be done with this trip so badly. And, uh, and so we turned around and he was like, Barely pedaling, <laughs> like the last four miles took us like an hour. It was just like going so slow. Part of it is just like I can't believe we did this. This is the stupidest thing I've ever done. And so this was a journey, and it was a journey. It was a, one of those type of journeys that now, uh, like 20 years later, I'm telling the story. It's one of those memorable journeys. It was a lot of fun, but it had its own uh, difficulties along the way. And I think of the, uh, our faith journey it's kind of like that sometimes to be honest sometimes we don't know what we're getting into and you uh and you begin to follow the lord and you don't know what's coming and sometimes it's like smooth sailing and you think oh this is the best trip in the world and sometimes it's really hard and sometimes our faith journey is is uh windy and it has its difficulties and and things uh come into our lives that are unexpected and uh And it's difficult, but it's a journey. And it's going to be different for each one of us. And you are on a faith journey. And God is working in your heart. And he's also working in the hearts and the lives of those around you in your life. And so one of the most important things that we can do as Christians is to help others along in this journey. And so sometimes I think we're like tourists on the journey, where we need someone to kind of guide us and show us the way. And then sometimes we take the role of being a tour guide. And what does a tour guide do? A tour guide basically helps you uh, know what you're looking at and, uh, and then points you in the direction to go where the interesting things are. And sometimes we come alongside of those in, uh, in in their spiritual journey just to help them recognize God in their life, help them just point things out. Hey, uh, God might be at work here. And we point them in the direction of, of the truths of God's word and of the gospel. You see, each of us is on a journey. So t- the point of today's message is to encourage you on the journey, the the faith journey, so that if you are not yet a Christian, You might uh, make the decision to give your life to Christ. And if you are a Christian, today's message is to encourage you to be a tour guide, to come alongside of people and to help them in their faith in Christ. You see, this morning we're talking about actions speak louder with words. And this is really the emphasis of today's message. Three points a personal devotion to God. A public witness for God and a worldly success with God. And today's message is right here in point two. A public witness for God. As believers, we are called to be a public witness for God. Now the passage we're looking at in this series is uh, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3. And uh, what we see in the life of King Nebuchadnezzar in this passage is that we see progress in his faith. He's on a spiritual uh, journey. Now, just some background information King Nebuchadnezzar was an official in the Assyrian Empire who rebelled in 626 BC and was established as the king of Babylon. And uh, one thing he did as a king is that he helped establish Babylon in, it, into being one of the biggest and most powerful empires of the ancient world. And so he, and to do that, he led uh, several military campaigns to expand his kingdom. And that is, uh, and one of those campaign during one of those campaigns, he seized Jerusalem and took captive the three men that we have been looking at in the last several weeks, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And in Daniel 3, we see King Nebuchadnezzar moving in his uh, views of God. Where he is at spiritually in the beginning of the passage, in the beginning of the chapter, is very different than where we see him at the end of the chapter. And so I want to just kind of choose some verses throughout the Um, passage that will help us to see that spiritual movement. So in Daniel chapter 3, I'm going to start in verse 4. Verse 4 says, then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, zither lyre harp pipe and all kinds of music you must fall down and worship the image of gold that king nebuchadnezzar has set up whoever does not fall down and worship will be will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace you see where we where we find nebuchadnezzar at the end at the beginning of this passage is that he is commanding everyone to fall down and to worship this golden statue Now, we understand from chapter 2 that this image is probably an image of himself. Nebuchadnezzar is so self-centered that he wants everyone worshiping him. And he is very opposed to people of the faith. In fact, he says, if you want to worship any other god, you're going to be destroyed in a blazing furnace. Now uh, Now, there are three individuals, our friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who choose not to bow down. They say it would go against their commitment to God, that they are going to serve and worship God alone. And so the, uh, some of the other officials see this, and they bring them to Nebuchadnezzar. And they report to Nebuchadnezzar in, in verse 12. They neither serve the king's gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. And this is obviously not good news, I mean, on, at, on the surface. Because that means that these three men will be put to death. Verse thirteen. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, "Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not worship my gods, or, that you do not serve my gods, or worship the gold I have set up?" And, he's, and, and you can sense the hostility in his voice. They see he is so opposed to God and the people of God that he's ready to put them to death. And that's exactly what he seeks to do in verse 22. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied fell into the blazing furnace i just find the wording there interesting they're not thrown into the fire the soldiers don't even get close enough to the furnace to throw them in they're killed on the spot it says they fall in and so i uh i i don't know how to picture this other than uh just to think shadrach meshach and abednego get close enough to the fire and are like well, I guess no turning back, and they just kind of fall in themselves at that point. But it's a serious situation. I mean, these men are, are walking to their own death. And, uh, and then, verse 24, something miraculous happens, something that catches the attention of the king. Verse tw- 24, Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that were that we tied up and threw into the fire they replied certainly your majesty he said look i see four men walking around in the fire unbound and unharmed and the fourth looks like a son of the gods nebuchadnezzar is astonished like his curiosity is at an all-time high, obviously. He says, how is it that there are four men? These men should be dead. They're, they should be inciner- incinerated by now, and yet they're walking around in the fire, and there's not three but four. The fourth looks like a, a son of the gods. Now, we understand most uh, scholars all agree that just the description here, this is probably Jesus himself. A pre-incarnate christ Uh, nebuchadnezzar describes him as a a son of the gods and i find that so interesting if i could just pause the story for a moment just to remind us that 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 we are called to not only uh, suffer for god but to suffer with god say that the Christian life never had difficulty and that there was never suffering. In fact, I can assure you that if you live a wholehearted, devo- devoted life to God, if this point, personal devotion to God is true, that you will suffer for God. There will be times where, where uh, you, because of your faith, you experience things that are difficult And also, the good news is, though, that it is not just a suffering for God, it is a suffering with God. I just want to encourage you uh, in that, that when we go through difficult times, that God comes alongside of us. I think that truth is implicit here, that Jesus comes and he walks alongside of these three men. Now, in verse 26, to pick the story up again, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach! Meshach and Abednego servants of the most high god come out come out I wonder I sometimes I've wondered why doesn't he uh, say and whoever the fourth guy is you come out too but he only calls the uh, the first three that he knows and uh, and he calls them to come out and here I begi- I think we begin to see a progression in his faith because before he was so opposed to these three men He said, if you want to serve your God, fine, but you'll be put to death for it. Now he he says, now he refers to their God, now that he refers to them as servants of the Most High God. I I don't think Nebuchadnezzar has come to faith, not at least yet. He doesn't say, this is my God, but he recognizes that there's something in these three guys that has caught his attention. He's curious about it. And so, Shadrach, picking it up again, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. I can imagine the the officials coming up and kind of sniff them wow they don't even smell like fire they smell good and uh but but they notice that not they haven't been uh touched by the flames at all they come out looking perfectly uh good and and this is a stage of investigation like nebuchadnezzar begins to inquire what is this how are these three men able to be thrown into a fire and and come out completely unharmed he moves on to verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's army and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I declare, decree that the people of, I- of any na- nation or language who would say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be cut into pieces and their, house be turned in, uh, their houses be turned into piles of rubble. For no other God can save in this way. You see the difference at the end of the chapter than the beginning of the chapter? Nebuchadnezzar has come a long way. At first he wanted all of, the, all of those who trust in the Most High God to be put to death. He wanted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be put to death. Now he says even if you speak a word against their God, you are going to be killed. Now part of me wants to say, come on, Nebuchadnezzar, enough with the killing people already. But, but at least he's making progress there, uh, in a spiritual sense. There's a journey. But I still don't think Nebuchadnezzar comes to faith. We don't actually see him place his own personal faith in. In Jesus, until the next chapter. And we're not going to get to that in this series, so let me jump ahead to Daniel chapter 4, verse 37. It says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, now it's personal for him, not the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven. Because everything he does is right, and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, as Nebuchadnezzar did, he is able to humble. He finally comes to faith. It's a long journey. Just as for many of us, it's a a long journey to faith. And it comes with stops and starts along the way. Uh, not only did he was he influenced by Shadrach Meshach and Abednego but then uh, he was influenced by Daniel as well but my question for you today is would King Nebuchadnezzar have trusted in God if Shadrach Meshach and Abednego had not been courageous in their faith by not bowing down to the golden image the image on the plains of Dura and I'm pretty confident in, the, in, in saying, no, I don't think they would have. You see, if, if they would not have been a public witness for God, Nebuchadnezzar would have not come to faith. Now, he was not the one to lead them to faith, but they were an example for him. They led him on the journey to faith. I have six people that I'm praying for right now to become Christians and uh eric and i meet every week and and we're we're holding each other accountable to pray for these individuals uh to to become believers in christ and uh, i hope every one of them does ultimately that's not up to me that's that's the work of the lord but i'm praying for them and i'm asking that god would use me in their lives in one way or another and this is my encouragement for all of us to seek to be intentional, to go out of our way to hopefully be used by God to help people take one step or maybe another step so that they might uh the faith in Jesus Christ. And may God, and, and God willing, may we help them to take that last step to pray to receive Christ in their lives. But it all starts with prayer. And so who are you praying for to be saved. In fact, if you were to pray this morning, as I'm going to invite us to do at the end of this message, if you were to pray by, uh, for some individuals by name, who would you love to, become, to see become a Christian? You see, you are, if you are a follower of Christ, you are called to do the work of an evangelist. 2 Timothy 4.5 says, do the work of an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. Three quick observations about that one sentence. One is a command. It is, it's not a suggestion. It's not an option. Uh, it's in the imperative. It's a command. Do the work of an evangelist. Second observation is that it says to do the work of an evangelist. It doesn't say you have you have to have the gift of an of evangelism. Because I'll, I'll admit, I don't think I'm a very good evangelist. But I'm called to do the work of an evangelist. We're all called to do make an effort to seek to share our faith with others and the third quick observation from that verse is that you are called to do a work you're not called to do the whole job as i said before god is the only one who saves people in fact you can't even save yourself that's the good news of the gospel and you can't save anyone else but we are called to be involved in the work to do the work of an evangelist and so this is this is, what, uh, this is what is at the heart of Jesus' uh, last words, the Great Commission. He says, before he ascends into heaven, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. How do you make disciples? Well, it starts by committing your life to Christ. And then the idea of baptizing others, that's again the, the idea of evangelism. Romans 10:14 and 15 says, "How then can they call on the one they have not believed in and how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard and how can they hear without someone preaching to them and how can they uh, and how can anyone preach unless they are sent as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? I know that uh, verse is not nece- not in your program, but I just would love us to, say that last line uh, together how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news so let's say that uh, together how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news it is beautiful when we're able to bring the good news to someone it's a beautiful thing there's nothing more exciting than to be able to lead someone to Christ and I hope we we all have the joy of doing that on a regular basis Now, while it's beautiful, I know that it is also intimidating and scary. And some of you may even be uh, sitting here thinking, oh, yeah, that's that's wonderful. But there is no way I'm doing that. (laughs) There's no way I'm going to share my faith. There's no way I'm going to ask somebody about their relationship with God. I'm not I'm not going to do the work of evangelists. I'll support the work, but I'm not going to do that. And I get it. I know it's scary, it's intimidating. In fact, um, uh, let me see if I have time. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the time. Uh, uh, I, I went on a missions trip in college, and um, uh, to be and we went to New Orleans, and it was not planned this way. But I don't think it was planned this way, at least. But because it, it was over spring break, we were there the week of Mardi Gras, and. Uh, our whole point of the missions trip was to share the gospel with people. So we erected this big uh, 10-foot cross and we took it down to the French Quarter and we put it in the middle just so that if we went up and down the uh, streets, we could find our way back to where we were supposed to be. And uh, it was not a good experience. (laughs) It was very difficult and uh, I got spit upon, and I saw stuff that I don't want to see. And, uh, and, it, and so let me just say, what, what I'm talking about is nothing related to that. What I'm talking about is, is relationship, is sharing the good news with those that we know and love. In fact, I read a book recently. The book was called, I, I Once Was Blind. And uh, in the book, and the reason I bring this up is I found this to be very helpful. I'll admit, like I said, I don't, I don't feel like I'm necessarily the best evangelist, but I feel God's tug on my heart that I, that I want to be. And so I read this book, and this book, in the book, they lay, they, the author laid out what he called five thresholds of faith. And I gave you a space in your sermon notes to write these five thresholds down. I want to encourage you to do that because I found this to be extremely helpful uh, when you think about the relationship that you have with uh, those that you know. The first threshold that he talks about is the threshold of moving from distrust to trust. In other words, you have someone in your life that you want to see uh, come to faith, Help them, to, help them to develop a relationship with you in which they trust you. Everybody can do that. That's not hard, right? The movement from distrust to trust. In other words, just form friendships with people that are not uh, saved so that they might have a relationship with a believer that they trust in. Many people do, today do not have a relationship with a strong Christian, uh, someone that they actually trust in. And each of us can do that to be intentional about that, and then, and then to begin to just let people know that we're that we're a Christian, you know, let people know, and uh, so that so that that opens up doors. So that's the first uh, movement, the first threshold. He calls it from um, mistrust to trust, trust in a in a in a in a Christian friend. Second, from complacency to curiosity from being complacent to being curious and this is a very important step in fact i i think we see this in nebuchadnezzar's life where uh when he sees these uh three men walking in the fire he's curious like he he begins is there something going on here that i haven't uh, been able to grasp is there something to this idea of god and so to help people to move to curiosity to explore these things and so that might mean uh asking someone a question like do you believe in god what do you think he's like or have you ever had a spiritual experience would you like to have one what do you think life is about do you think you have a destiny do you think people are more spiritually interested today or five years ago these will lead to good questions i was um out on the baseball field a couple of weeks ago, and I'm hitting uh, fly balls to Dawson, and um, and, and a, one of his friends comes up, and his dad's there, and uh, so he so his friend goes out and is catching fly balls and stuff, and I'm talking to his dad, and his dad um, was a really good baseball player. He was uh, per, he was projected to um, go in the first few rounds of the draft, uh, but he told he was a pitcher. He tore his uh, shoulder. And uh, he was never drafted. And so I asked him, was that, real, was that hard? And we got um, talking about these things. And then I asked him, uh, because he, he was pointing out how certain things worked out for good in his life, I asked him, uh, do you think that there was any one or anything behind some of those things? And he said, yeah, I think there was. You see, just to spark uh, uh, people's curiosity, to begin to help them to begin thinking about things of faith third movement from being closed to change to being open to change in their life see i don't think a lot of people are thinking about uh, changing their life so to try to help them to move in that direction what would it be like to live in a different way could you actually live uh uh with a different uh focus in your life and that would be better is, are you open to change? You know, I know of someone in our church that was able to lead their uh, daughter to faith this past week, and um, her daughter is uh, uh, an adult, and uh, had a serious scare, and was in the hospital. Now, this this person in our church has tried this to her daughter for a long time, but it wasn't until her daughter was her life was threatened with this with this health scare that she actually became open to changing her life and so to to seek to help people to come alongside of them when they become open to change and then the fourth movement i think is an important movement from meandering to seeking and this is when people begin to actively seek god They might begin to come to church they might begin to read their bible they might begin to ask certain questions but this is an important thing if we can help people to move from just that curiosity and meandering around and sometimes we might invite them to church that's a way to spark their curiosity but but then there's a clear movement when someone begins to actively seek god and then, uh, and to come alongside of people and to help them to seek God. And then the last threshold is crossing the threshold of kingdom. That's when we, in, we actually invite people to uh, be saved. Are you ready to place your faith in Jesus Christ? This is what we want to do as a church. Opening our doors wide so that many might enter through the narrow gates. And this is what you want to do in your life to help people cross the threshold into the kingdom. I have kind of a reoccurring dream in my life. And uh, this is not so much a dream I have at night, more of a daydream, but I think about this sometimes. And uh, in my dream, I'm in line. Now, I'm not saying this is how it's actually going to happen, but I'm I'm in line to stand before God on judgment day. And, uh, and I'm waiting to go before my maker to give an account of my life. And as I'm in line, I begin to look around and I see people that I knew in life. And and some of them have just the most exciting expression on their faith. And, uh, and I f- am filled with joy. And some of them I imagine in my dream, what if I led that person to Christ? Or I think of those that I've had the opportunity to do. And, and, and they look at and they're just so excited. I'm, and I f- am filled with such joy. But then I see uh, in my dream the faces of others. They, there's pain in their eyes. And I have this sense that what they're saying is, why didn't you tell me? I knew you for so long, and now it's too late. Why didn't you just at least invite me to, be, uh, to enter into a life with God? And, th- and though that's a dream, and I'm sure it won't happen that way exactly, there is some truth to that. All of us one day will stand before our Creator, and we will give an account for our lives. And would not it be so great if there are many that we see in line with us and we're able to say, wow, what a wonderful thing. I spend all eternity with you. And we were the ones that God used to help bring them to faith, or at least we were among those that God used. But wouldn't it be tragic if we had a relationship with people and we never took the time, we knew them and we loved them, And we spent time with them, but we never took the time to actually share about the most important thing in our lives. One day we will stand before God, and God will either cast us away from him for all eternity, or he will embrace us with the biggest hug that we could ever imagine and say, welcome into my kingdom. This morning I'd like to give you an opportunity. If you've never received Christ into your life, I'd like you to give you an opportunity to pray that prayer and to ask God uh, into your life. In fact, right now, I just want to encourage us to all bow our heads and close our eyes. And maybe you are here or maybe you are uh, watching online and uh, you recognize that uh This is where you're at now. You're you're ready to take the final step. You're ready to commit your life to Christ. If that's you, I invite you to repeat after me. Dear God, I give my life to you now. I trust in you and will live for you. Forgive me for my sins against you. Please help me now to trust in you and to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to just encourage you to all keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for a moment. And uh, if you have made that commitment today, I I really want to encourage you to uh, come and to talk with me after the service or maybe send me an email this week. You can just send it to info at Westcavena.church, and i'll get a hold of it eventually and uh it'll it'll i'll just love to hear that and to pray for you but if you're here as this morning and you're already a christian and uh, i want to just give us an opportunity now with our heads bowed and eyes closed to pray for those that we know that we would love to see come to faith in christ and uh as i was as i prepared this message this week this is the moment that i've been praying for over and over again that god would bless these 30 seconds of quiet uh that as we lift up these names to him that he would hear these names and that it would please him to save many of these individuals and so i'm going to just give us a moment of quiet for you to pray for people in your life that you would love to see saved. Father God, we are bold to ask you for those that uh, we know and love to be saved because we've experienced your grace ourselves. And, uh, And we think of how, though we didn't deserve it, you came and did a mighty work in our hearts. And we pray that you would do that to those that we know and love. We pray that you would draw them to yourself. And God, if it be your will, we pray that you would use us. Actions speak louder with words. And we pray that you would give us the words to be able to be tour guides, to encourage them along in their faith. And God, I also pray for those that have committed their lives to you today. I pray that you would bless them on their spiritual journeys and help them to grow in their faith, and help them to uh, live the commitment that they have made to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.